of closing out the You Asked For It series. I don't know about you, but I think this has been, again, an awesome series. Anybody got anything from this series so far? It's been fantastic. Hopefully you have, and I'll tell you for why hopefully you have, because it's you that's been asking the questions. What we did is at the start of the month, just before uh, the month of November, we asked each of you to complete a a short questionnaire just to check some boxes to hear what it is that you would like uh, to hear uh, spoken about from the pulpit, Uh, just any questions that you may have had about specific topics, and um, we've spread those out over the course of November, so we've actually been asking, uh, answering your questions, and today is no different. Uh, as I said, I've got the privilege of closing out the series today, and I'm going to be talking today about a massive topic, something which I always get excited about the opportunity to preach about, and that is the topic of purpose. Purpose. You asked, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And it is a very common question amongst Christians. Those people actually want to fulfill something in their life, but they don't necessarily know what it is. So I'm going to be talking about that today. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently today, uh, but we are going to be putting across to you the, the fact and the message is quite clear in this. Your purpose is your whole life. It's not just a one-time event. And we're going to be touching on that and breaking that down and looking at that in detail today. But here's my prayer today. My prayer today is that you leave here today with a different outlook on the purpose of your life. And that sounds like a very big thing. And that's because it's a very big thing. If you can leave here with the idea and the impression that your purpose in life is something which you are able to fulfill, not just you are able, but you should fulfill. If you go away from here encouraged and excited about the purpose in your life, You know, if every person here, just look around you, look at every person who's in this church here this morning, just imagine if every person left this building today fired up about Christianity, about God, about Christ, about the purpose that they have in their individual's lives. So rather than just a few people leave here and go out and change the world, just imagine if every single person in this place today, left here, just fired up and excited to actually make a difference in the world. It wouldn't be very long before Baton Rouge was different. Amen? And then Louisiana, and then the United States of America. So this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about your purpose. Okay, so as I said, it's a question that many people ask, and people ask it because it's important. When you actually sit down and you think about it, all of us want to actually achieve something in life. Amen? Now, we might not believe that we can do it, and I'm going to come to that point, but we all want to fulfill something. None of us go through life thinking, oh, well, I don't really want to achieve anything. We all would like to achieve something in life. And then once you become saved, you become a Christian, then it becomes slightly different, and in some ways it becomes more important because you don't just want to achieve something. What you want to achieve is God's thing. What you want to achieve then is whatever it is that God has got destined for you in your life. So it becomes an even bigger deal. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, because the more important it is to us, then the more focus will be on it. But it can also get to the point where it's such a big deal that we freeze. We're thinking so much, we spend so much time thinking about what that purpose might be in our life, that we're sat thinking about it, we're sat thinking, and we're not doing We're not doing anything because we're just thinking too much about what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Sometimes worse than that, we don't do anything deliberately. We consciously make a decision that we're not going to do anything in case it's the wrong thing. In case it's the wrong thing. We're waiting for some divine message to come to us to shine a light exactly on what it is that we're supposed to fulfill for, for, for God in our life. And while we're waiting for that light to come on, we're sat in the dark 
doing nothing. And that, let me assure you, before I even get started with a message, is not what God has purposed for your life. God did not create you to do nothing. He created you to do something. And so what we're going to be discovering this morning are two things. Firstly, every single person has purpose. That includes you. And we're going to be really focusing heavily on that this morning. And the second thing we're going to look at is what part of that purpose is. What part of that purpose is. I'm no prophet. I'm not here to tell you exactly specifically, each individually, what the purpose that God has for your life is. Because quite simply, I do not know. I don't know, and you don't necessarily know, but God knows. And that's the important thing. So first and foremost, I want to reassure you, I want to encourage you, and I want you to know, whoever it is that you are, wherever it is that you are, you have purpose. God created you for purpose. God has a plan for your life. Let me say that again, your life. Not just the person who sat around you, okay, the person who sat in your seat. God has a plan for your life. And we're told this in the Bible quite clearly in the book of Ephesians. This is one of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians 2.10. For we, we include you, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what does it tell us? It tells us that God created you and recreated you in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things in your life. God not only has a plan for your life, but the plan is to do good things. Now, let me just focus for one second on one word. That word is things. Things. With an S at the end. Things. What does the S mean at the end? It means it's plural. What does plural mean? It means more than one. So you are created for a purpose to complete good things, not a good thing, not a good thing. And I'm stressing that because, again, when you talk about people's purpose in life, they think it's just a one-time event, something that they're going to build up to, and it's going to be life-changing and world-changing. I know I've spoken about this before in this way, but this is really key. It's really key because if you start to focus and think that your life is all about one thing, you're going to do nothing. Because you're going to be waiting too much and too long to be finding the sign of what that big one thing is. But the Bible never says you're created for one thing. It says you're created for purpose. For purpose. Not a purpose. You are created for purpose. And it speaks here of good things. Good things, plural. And we're going to be coming back to that. Now, if you are created for good things, does that mean that God has created you to have a perfect life? To have a good life? No. God has created you to live and to fulfill good things, but it doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to be good. It doesn't mean that as a Christian, your life is going to be perfect. It means you are going to have your ups and you are going to have your downs. And I don't want to be a a, a negative person about it at all, but I'm being realistic and I'm being truthful and honest with you. Your life is going to have ups and your life is going to have downs. Now, that should encourage you. Now, why should that be encouraging? If I'm going to have bad things happen in my life, how is that encouraging? Well, it's encouraging to know every single Christian has bad things happen in their lives. So that means, quite simply this, when you have a bad thing happen in your life, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that God, does, it doesn't mean that God does not love you. It's exactly how life is supposed to go. It goes up and it goes down, it goes up and goes down. But through all of that, your purpose will still be there. And your purpose is what? Your purpose is to do good things. Okay? So we're building this up and setting this up for you. But the truth is simply this. Often we can get in the way of fulfilling our purpose. We ourselves can get in the way of us achieving what it is that God wants us to achieve. We can get in our way in several ways. Sometimes it's wondering, as I said, about what we're supposed to be doing to the degree that we end up doing nothing. Sometimes we can start off doing something and then stop because we decide that God hasn't told us to do that. It's something that maybe we're not called to do. When the reality is quite simply this, sometimes we just don't enjoy what we're doing anymore. Sometimes it stops being fun. Well, you know what? If God's called you to do it, he hasn't called you to do it. Yes, you should get joy from it. Yes, you should get fulfillment, but it's not necessarily fun that you're doing. 
Let me give you an example. The Nicaragua team have just come back from Nicaragua and made a massive impact over there. And I'm looking forward to hearing everybody's individual stories. Apparently the team had a great time over there and and made a real big impact. But let me ask you a question. Do you think getting up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, getting onto the back of a van, driving out into the forest, getting open up a box of rice and feeding it to kids of the age of five or six with tiny little bowls who haven't eaten for days, do you think that's fun? I don't think it's necessarily fun. It's obviously they're getting a great deal of satisfaction from it and and joy and knowledge and fulfillment, but it's not necessarily fun. But when you are called to do it, then you are called to do it. Okay, so you're not necessarily going to enjoy everything about your calling. So I'm telling you that to, to simply say, once you start doing something, Don't rely on it being fun just to keep doing it. If you're called to do it, you keep doing it. Whether it's fun or it's not fun, you are there to basically do as you are called to do. Okay? So that, as I said, will sometimes make us get in our way. Now, the biggest reason, I believe, that we don't tend to fulfill our purpose is quite simply, we don't believe that we are worthy to actually serve the Lord. Deep down inside of us, we have a real belief that we are not able, that we are not capable. And we we come to that conclusion, not just by how we see ourselves, but how we see other people. It's so easy to look at other people and say, well, you know, I can understand how they're doing that for God. I can understand how they are fulfilling a purpose. And obviously God called them instead of calling me because I could never do what it is that they do. I could never do what it is that they do. Well, here's a newsflash. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to do what anybody else is doing. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to do what you're supposed to do, and you're not supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. So don't be looking at somebody and saying, well, they've got it all together, because firstly, they haven't. And secondly, when you look at that and they say, well, they've got it all together, that's obviously why they've been called. Okay? Understand, they've been called for their purpose, but you have been called for yours. Now, we're going to look at a video today. We're going to look at four parts of a story today. And I want you to pay close attention to this. And it's a wonderful story. It's in a cartoon format. But I want you to understand this. It's a powerful, powerful message. Four parts we're going to go through. I'm going to look at each part as we're going through. We'll look at part one, then we'll speak about it, and look at part two. Spoiler alert, and I am going to say this to you. I was in two minds as to whether or not to mention this up front. But I will tell you this. <clears throat> it's a happy ending. Okay? It's a happy ending. So at the start of part one, when we finish and close part one, make sure you've got your tissues handy. Okay? All right? But it's a happy ending, I promise you. Okay? So we're going to line up this story, and we're going to walk through this, and we're going to look at how this will impact upon your lives. So let's run part one of that video. There once was a donkey, young, weak, and small, so weak he could carry nothing at all. Even when children sat on his hide, he'd wobble and tumble and fall on his side. No matter how much he tried or he cried, this was a donkey that no one could ride. He couldn't haul stones. He couldn't dig ditches or carry rich men with their big bags of riches. He couldn't pull carts with huge bales of hay. Just lifting a feather would make his legs sway. No, this donkey was useless, no good at all. Too puny, too shaky, too scrawny, too small. Now the donkey's owner was quite mean and tough. He said to the donkey, I've had quite enough. He pointed his finger and said with a huff, You can't lift a person no matter how light, so take all your things and get out of my sight. Go away from here, donkey. Go away and just hide. What use is a donkey that no one can ride? So the donkey was led to the far edge of town, pulled by his neck with his head hanging down. He was tied to a post on a small dusty road and left all alone while his tears overflowed. Left all alone and wondering why, he was born to be weak and born to be shy and born to be frightened and born to cry. Pass the tissues. Okay, so like I said, it's going to be a happy ending. Okay, we're going to get back to Mr. Donkey very, very shortly. All right, but we've left him there, 
and we've left him feeling very, very sorry for himself. He's obviously tied to that post here, and he's talked about by others as being useless. The person that was closest to him has told him that he is useless. He's pointed at him and just said, I've had enough. Okay, the words they used, it says, this donkey was useless, no good at all. Too puny, too shaky, too scrawny, too small. That's horrible, right? And the person who was closest to him, as I said, is pointing all out his faults, is pointing out his flaws, is making him feel like he has no worth. He can't do what it is that he thinks his purpose is. He's been told what his purpose is for, and he's been told that he can't achieve it. So how is that going to make him feel? It's not going to make him feel great, is it? It left him in a position where it says he's wondering why. He's wondering why he was born to be weak and born to be shy, born to be frightened, born to cry. So the donkey is sat and he's feeling sorry for himself because of his circumstances, because he can't fulfill what it is that he wants to fulfill, because of what's going on around him. But he's also feeling down because of how he feels about himself. And he feels that way about himself, not just because of what it is that he's not able to achieve, but of how other people have pointed out to him what it is that he's not able to do. They've pointed out his weaknesses and pointed out his flaws. Okay? There's something good about that donkey. There are good things about that donkey. He'll agree with me. The donkey's cute. For a start, the donkey's cute. So he has his strong points. He had his good points. But we don't hear about that in the video there. What we hear about there is the fact that he's being told all of the bad things about himself. Ask yourself a question. Does that remind you of some point in your life? Some point in your life. Has somebody told you that you're not able to do something? Somebody told you that you're not worth too much? Has somebody told you, here's a good one, that what you dream about, you're never going to achieve? What it is that you have had placed on your heart, you just woke up and thought, you know, I'd really really love to do this. I have a desire to do this. And you've been shot down in flames by somebody that's close to you. And then suddenly you don't, you don't have that desire, that burn anymore. You don't have those dreams anymore. They've been squashed. The flame has been put out by somebody that you trust, somebody whose opinion you trust. You would trust their opinion about something else. So why would you not believe them when they tell you that you are not going to achieve those things? Let me tell you something. If you wake up one morning, and think, you know what, I've got the burning desire to do this. I need to do this. I want to achieve this. Wouldn't it be great if I can do this? Let me tell you something. There's every chance that that is God's calling on your life. There's every chance. I'm not guaranteeing that. If you woke up in the morning and think, I want to be a multimillionaire next week, that's not necessarily God's calling on your life. But if you call up with that tingling sensation inside of you, I want to achieve this for the good of this, for the good of them. There's every chance that God has laid that upon your heart. Why do I say that? Because you need to understand how important it is that you don't let other people tell you what you can do and what you can't do. That you can't, you don't let other people to put that fire out inside of you. Because if God has placed that flame inside you, not a single man should stand in your way from you achieving it. Not a single man should stand in your way. But how often can we do that? You know, we're wired in such a way that it's the easiest thing in the world to believe the bad things about us. Uh, Is that just me? We're all in the same boat, right? It's so easy to believe the bad things about us and to start to actually live those things out and to, and to, to start questioning our own abilities in things. But, you know, you're not alone in that. Let me tell you, the person sat next to you thinks the same way as well. But over and above that, we're told about this from people in the Bible. There's countless stories in the Bible about it. Take Moses for an example. Moses was told by God that God wanted him to lead the pharaohs out. I'd do the dance, but I couldn't do it in the first two times. Thanks for that, by the way, Pastor, for the two run-throughs. But as I said, that Moses with the burning bush... God is actually speaking directly to him. It's not, again, like he woke up one morning and he had this sensation inside him. God is taking the direct line. He's got a bush on fire. God sat there. He's telling Moses, I want you to go and take the children of Israel from Egypt. Moses says, I can't do that. God is speaking directly to him. And yet, Moses says... I can't do that. Moses' actual words, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? 
okay? Last week we heard about Gideon. And Gideon again was told by God and instructed by God that, you know, you are, you are going to. Now it's your turn to save the children of Israel. Gideon turns around and says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So God is saying to him, you know, you are a mighty warrior. He says, you are a mighty, God says, you are a mighty, God says, you are a mighty warrior. He says, um, I'm not so sure. I don't think you're quite right about that because, because, and let me tell you for why, because my clan is the weakest of the weakest and I'm the weakest of the weakest of the weakest. So I know you've gotten all that, but I think you might have the wrong idea. I mean, I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous, but that's what we're guilty of all the time. God is laying stuff on your heart for you to achieve. He's giving you dreams. He's giving you desires. He's giving you passion. He is giving you purpose. And yet you are saying, no, I don't think so, God. Not me. Not me. And that's where our donkey is. Our donkey's sat there feeling sorry for himself based on what he believes about himself. Now, here's the thing that you have to grasp. How you see yourself is frankly irrelevant. You can't base a decision on what you're going to do and not do based on how you see yourself. Because your opinion of yourself is wrong. Is wrong. God does not give you purpose and give you direction based on who you think you are. God gives you purpose based on who he knows you are. Not on who you think you are, on who he knows you are. No one is more qualified than God to tell you who you are. Why? Because he made you. Because God created you. He created you and he created the purpose that he created you to fulfill. So he knows 100%. Here's a newsflash. He's even more qualified than you are. He knows you better than you know yourself. Excuse me. All right, so many times we can also get wrapped up and focused on what is going on around us, based on our circumstances, the way things look. Okay, we can, we can only perceive what we can see. And that's the, the limitations of our human mind. We can't see things the way that God sees things. We're not supposed to see things the way that, that God sees things. And as a side note, I would say to you, so don't get frustrated when you can't see things the way that God sees them. We're not created for that. So we're limited as to what we can see and how we can see them. But, so we can only see limited. We have a limited parameter. And that's normally today. We can see today, maybe tomorrow, but we can see what our circumstances are right now. And so when we have this purpose that we think that we're supposed to fulfill or that we feel that God has laid on our hearts and it doesn't match where we're at today, we dismiss this. We dismiss this. We don't give for one second that we think God can take me from here and put me right here. However long it might take, we just see ourselves here, see that over there and think that can't be mine. That must be somebody else's to fulfill. We have got to stop looking at our todays and assuming that our tomorrows are going to be the same. We have to stop that. We have to look at our todays and understand, well, okay, today is today. This is how it looks today. This might even be how it is today. But that does not mean that this is how it's going to look or how it's going to be tomorrow. So we're going to see soon that the donkey finds out that where we are today is only affecting tomorrow if we allow it. Your tomorrow will be exactly like it is today if you let it. If you think that today is all that there is, if your circumstances as they are today, it's never going to change, you're probably right. Because you'll live that way and you'll make that the case. When things are against you, including yourself, when you are against you, You need to remember that God sees you a different way, like I said. And his plans for you are plans for good. Look at this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. We can't talk about purpose without talking about this scripture. It's one that you'll probably recognize. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. He doesn't say, I think I know the plans for you. 
It doesn't say, you know, I've written down in pencil on a piece of paper somewhere, I've lost it, and I can't quite put my finger on it right now. But I'm sure I have got some plans for you. But come back to me and I'll let you know. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, I know the plans I have for you. And they are plans for good and not for disaster. Future and a hope. 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 Future and a hope. So never give up hope. Even when things are looking bad. Today. When things are looking bad. Today. I'm not telling you pretend it's all okay because it might not be okay. There are days where my life is not okay. But I can tell you one thing when I've got, I'm in that day when things are not okay, I have hope. Because I know that there's a tomorrow and I know that God is there waiting for me. So you need to have hope, maintain hope in any situation, okay? God has plans for you and they are to give you that future and to give you that hope. Okay, so let's uh, get back to our little donkey and pick up his story. Just then, two men appeared alongside, the post in the village where the donkey was tied. They came without warning on that fateful day. They came and untied him and took him away. The donkey was frightened. He said to the men, Where are we going? And then said again, Where are we going? And what about me? Please leave me alone and just let me be. Keep quiet, the men said. We mean you no harm. Just follow us quickly. No cause for alarm. They walked on for miles and miles until they got to a town at the foot of a hill. At the foot of the hill stood a man tall and thin, wearing a cloak with a beard on his chin. He had eyes that seemed sad and longish dark hair, and a voice soft and gentle that floated on air. He said to the donkey, it's time that you knew about the great thing that you're destined to do. You'll carry me into the city, we two. Into the city, I'll ride atop you. What's that you say? cried the donkey with dread. There's simply no way. You've been misled. I'm just a small weakling. You must go ahead and look for another to take you instead. You see, I'm just hopeless ever since I was born. I've been subject to insults and teasing and scorn. My back's somewhat crooked. My legs aren't strong. I'm just a big failure who does everything wrong. Won't you believe me, the sad donkey cried. Just leave me alone and cast me aside. I'm just a poor donkey that no one can ride. The man looked at him with a face that was wise, with a warm, tender smile and love in his eyes. And then in a calm and mysterious way, he opened his mouth and started to say, My help is enough. It's all that you need. It's all you require in life to succeed. The weaker you are, the more strength I give. I'll be there to help you as long as you live. I know you feel tired and frightened and broken, but do you believe these words that I've spoken? He said to the donkey, It's time that you knew about the great thing that you are destined to do. It's important to know that you don't know what your future holds. You're not supposed to know what your future holds. You will never know what your future holds. But you need to know that your future holds something. That's what you need to understand and realize. Your future holds something that God has got planned for you. Not knowing what your future holds does not mean that your future holds nothing. It just means that the something it holds is a mystery to you right now. That's all that that means. It means you don't know yet what it is that your future holds. Let me give you an example. Think about this. Somebody tells you, if I say to you, I've got you a gift for Christmas. I have a gift. I have bought you a gift for Christmas. So it's past tense. I've already got it. I have your gift for Christmas. I've got it wrapped. It's ready and it's waiting for you. You can have it on Christmas Day. Now, once I've told you that, you're going to be excited, aren't you? You're going to be thinking, I've got something waiting for me for Christmas Day. I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. I'm just so excited. I know I've got a present coming to me. I know I've got it coming to me, and I'm so excited. I wonder what it is. You are not going to be sat there thinking, I have nothing. I don't have anything waiting for me. 
I've got nothing coming. What I'm telling you is this. God has your purpose. He's already bought it. He's paid for it. He has that purpose. He has it wrapped. He has it waiting for you. It might just not be today that you get given the gift. But you need to understand that it's there and it's waiting for you. So much like you are about a Christmas present, waiting for Christmas Day to come so you can unwrap it, you need to be excited about the fact that God has this for you. He has a purpose for you. He has this purpose in your life. It's wrapped, it's under the tree, and it's waiting for the right day to come to you. So don't be thinking for one second you have nothing waiting for you. You have nothing in your future. Because let me tell you, God has it. God has it waiting for you, as I said. You're going to carry on. You know, that Christmas present. You're waiting until Christmas Day. We're all looking forward to Christmas. It's going to be a great time, obviously. And we're looking forward to it. But it doesn't stop us from doing what it is that we do on our day-to-day basis between now and then. We're not sat on our bums doing nothing waiting for Christmas Day to come. We're still going about our business day to day. We know Christmas is going to get here. We know our gift is going to arrive. We're excited about it, but it doesn't stop us from performing on our day to day. It doesn't stop us from going through the ups. It doesn't stop us from going through the downs. And that's exactly how we need to focus on our purpose with, with uh, whatever it is that God has got waiting for us. You're just going to carry on doing what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis, knowing what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis, and just wait for this to become unwrapped. Wait for your future to unfold. He's already, as I said, bought the gift for you. So stop wondering about whether he has something for you. Carry on moving forward and wait and be excited about waiting to see what it is. See, whilst we might have no idea how we can be used, God knows exactly. God knows exactly. Think about that for a moment. We sometimes project our feelings and our emotions onto God. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, if we believe that we are not capable, if we believe that we are not able, if we believe that we are not worthy, then it's easy for us to assume that God thinks the same way as we do. And that's so wrong to do. It's disrespectful to do, to be frank with you. Our God is God. God created you. God formed you. God knitted you together in the womb. And he created the purpose that he created you for before he created you. He knows who you are. He made you. You are wonderfully made. So you are entitled, I suppose, to your opinion of yourself. But don't for one second think that that's how God thinks about you. Because that's not how God thinks about you. He, you as I said, may think that you're incapable of making a difference. He knows that you can. He knows that you can make a difference. He knows that you are a thing of value. You are precious in his sight. Precious in his sight. So you have got to, as I said, start looking at yourself and seeing yourself. If you can't see yourself the way that God sees you, at least, at least come to the conclusion that he sees you differently to how you see yourself. Because that gives you hope. I don't need to think about me the way that God thinks about me because I know that God thinks the way about me that he does. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter what I think of me. It doesn't matter if I'm sat there thinking I can't do this. If I know God's told me to do it, then I know God thinks that I can. And if God thinks that I can do it, who am I to argue with him? I mean, he's just the creator of the universe. Who am I to argue with him and to tell him who I am? Here's the thing. If you think that you're incapable of doing something, you're half right. You're half right. Because you aren't capable of doing anything on your own. In your own power... In your own strength, you are not going to be able to achieve what it is that you're supposed to. But as the man in the video told the donkey, he says, My help is enough. It's all that you need. It's all you require in life to succeed. The weaker you are, the more strength I give. I'll be there to help you as long as you live. Now we know that the man is Jesus. The donkey has been chosen for a very special purpose. It's a calling that the donkey feels there is no way that he can achieve. But Jesus, though, is telling him to believe. To believe that Jesus will provide all the strength and power that is needed. 
Paul talks about this several times in his writings in the New Testament. He talks about this power and he talks about it in the second letter to the Corinthians. He says, my God, God told Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I love this. I love, what a powerful thought. However weak we are, Jesus will give us the power to more than make up for what we lack. Whatever we don't have in strength, he will provide for us. It means that we don't need to be equipped and strong to fulfill our purpose. We think we can't do something and achieve something. We think we can't fulfill God's purpose because of how it is that we are. Well, like I said, you're half right. How you are, you can't do it. But he's not expecting you to do it on your own. He's expecting you to do it through Christ. He's expecting you to do it in his strength, not your strength. Why? Well, because he doesn't want you to do it and get all the glory. He wants you to do it, achieve it through Christ so that God can get the glory that he deserves. It's about God. Your purpose in life is not to fulfill and succeed your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to succeed and fulfill God's purpose in your life. That's what your purpose is about. So don't you understand what it means? It means that you can understand that you don't have to be all of that and a bag of chips. That's not what it's about. You are designed to fall short. And the gap is to be filled by him. It, doesn't, it means you don't have to ever again. Let me give you permission to never again worry about whether you are good enough, fit enough, strong enough, clever enough, knowledgeable enough, smart enough, wise enough, old enough, young enough. Whatever you are lacking in, Jesus will provide. The weaker you are, the better Jesus' power will work. Wow. We need to believe. We need to believe. This scripture, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who who strengthens me. I love that scripture. I love it so much I bought the t-shirt. I can do all things. I can do all things. Two key words. Through Christ. Through Christ. I can do all things, not in my strength. Not in my strength. I can do them in Christ's strength. Through Christ. That's the two important words. So think about that and hold on to that thought as we catch up again with our friend the donkey. For some reason, the donkey was sure that he knew the words the man spoke were honest and true. They were said with such kindness and caring and love, as if they came from heaven above. The donkey burst out, I believe that it's true. I believe, he repeated, I believe, yes I do. The man stretched his hand out and closed both his eyes. And then to the little donkey's surprise, he felt a sensation he couldn't control, from the top of his head right down to his soul. All of a sudden, he realized that now his body was stretching and changing somehow. Most amazing of all, at that very hour, the donkey began to sense he had power. He didn't feel small or weak any longer. Instead, he felt stronger and stronger and stronger. He could feel in his body the energy flowing He could see with his eyes that his muscles were growing. His back felt like iron. His legs felt like steel. His chest felt so strong, it just couldn't be real. It's a miracle. A miracle, the donkey cried out. A miracle, a miracle beyond any doubt. In order to show all the thanks that he felt, the donkey bowed his head down and knelt in front of the man who had made him so strong, with a beard on his chin and hair that was long. The man looked upon him with sorrowful eyes, then sat on his back and told him to rise. We're bound for that city that's west of the hill. I have a great mission I need to fulfill. So the donkey felt stronger and stronger and stronger. So who gave him that strength? Jesus gave him that strength. And why did Jesus give him that strength? So that he was equipped to carry out his purpose. So like I said, the strength that you are lacking, 
you will find in Christ in order that you can achieve the purpose that God has got for you. Jesus said, I have a great mission I need to fulfill. And he chose that donkey to be a part of it. Now, the mission he's talking about here is the fact that this is the donkey ride taking him down into Jerusalem just before he's crucified so that our sin could be paid for. It's a, it's a, a huge mission that Jesus is on. But the donkey had to play a part. The donkey played a part. The donkey played a part that he thought was a small part. It was a part that he, obviously, if he hadn't have been there, Jesus would have found, found an alternative. But that donkey was created for that purpose. That donkey was created for that donkey ride. It's a small part in a huge story, in a huge mission. But what you need to understand is this. Jesus is talking there and says, I have a great mission I need to fulfill. Let me tell you, if Jesus was standing on this stage right now, you know what he'd say? I have a great mission I need to fulfill. Today he has a great mission that he needs to fulfill. And he needs donkeys. He needs people. He needs people to play their part. It's a mission that's going on each and every day. And it's a mission that you need to be a part of. His mission is to touch as many people as he can and have them know who he is. That's the mission that we are all called to be a part of. In whatever shape or form, in whatever way, we're all destined and we're all called and we're all purposed to do and help fulfill that mission. It's a mission that you can't help him with unless you have relationship with him. The donkey had to believe Jesus before Jesus could give him the strength. He had to believe him. Jesus said, believe. All you have to do is believe. Now let me tell you, all you have to do is believe. That's all you have to do. You have to believe. The plans that God has got for us for each and every one of us. They are unimaginable. The plans you can't wrap your head around. What it is that God has got purposed for your life. What God blessings he has for your life. If what? If you just believe. If you just surrender your life to him. The way the donkey did his. You just surrender your life to believe in him. Trust in him. Know that you are not going to know what your future holds. But know that it holds something. Know that it holds something. Believe that it holds something. So these plans, as I said, that we have for us are unimaginable. Look what we're told here in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2.9, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. For those who love him. Loving God is a key part of the calling on each and every one of us. Relationship with him will unlock opportunities and power in our lives that will not be there without that relationship. If the donkey didn't believe in Jesus, it'd still be that small, tiny donkey, unable to carry anybody. But because he believed in Jesus, because he formed relationship with him, the power that the donkey received came after that move. And it's the same way. We receive our power from Christ after we make that move. We are led, we are called, we are asked to believe. And by doing so, that's when we receive that power. Let me promise you, let me assure you, let me encourage you that you believing in Christ and giving your life to Christ, surrender your life to him, you aren't going to know any more what your future holds than you do without knowing him. But you're going to know that your future holds something and that he will provide all the strength that it is that you need. So the same thing applies to us as it applies to the donkey. We have to believe in him, have faith in him, and then the power will come into our lives. So let's just look at the final part of this story. The donkey got up, his tears had all dried. With big bulging muscles he started to stride. No longer a donkey that no one could ride. Now he had courage and power and pride. He started to stride, he started to run. He couldn't believe he was having such fun. With a clippity-clop and a clippity-clop, he kept right on going with no need to stop. But as they drew near to the gate of the town, the donkey could hear a very strange sound. The curious noise made him perk up his ears. What could it be? It sounded like cheers. Soon crowds of people came into sight shouting and waving their arms with delight. 
They were cheering the man and giving him praise, yelling hosannas and crying hoorays. It was amazing to see the love they expressed. They called him a prophet and said he was blessed. In front of the donkey they threw with their arms flowers and garments and branches and palms. They laid all these down and started to sing, calling the man a savior and king. The donkey was happy. Gone were his tears. Never had people sung in his ears. Never was there a moment so sweet as carrying a king with palms at his feet. And all his life after the donkey rejoiced that the king had made such a wonderful choice. To help with the greatest mission of all, the king used a donkey, young, weak, and small. So the message of the story is clear. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter who anybody else says that we are. It doesn't matter who we think we are. It doesn't matter on what our opinion of ourselves is. God can and will use us. So we can also know that God will meet us where we're at. God will equip us. God will provide us with all the strength that we need. So the question that we're looking to answer today is the question that was asked is, what is my purpose? And the answer that I'm here to give you is this. I don't know. I don't know what your purpose is. But I can tell you some things about your purpose that I know to be true. I can tell you a couple of things that are definitely a part of your purpose and part of the calling on your life. You need to firstly understand, as I said already, your purpose is not a one-time deal. Your purpose is the whole of your life. Your life has purpose. Your life is purpose. You are part of something huge. And you're often going to play a part in God's plans without knowing you've even done it. Just a smile to the right person at the right time. Just a hello to the right person at the right time could change their lives. It could change their lives. It could be the moment that they have been looking for. It could be the sign that they have been looking for. And what I can also tell you about your purpose is this. Categorically, you have one. You have one. You have purpose, whoever you are. Each and every person in this room has purpose. So let me finish by giving you two things that are not only part of your purpose, but they are essential to you fulfilling your purpose. Two things that we all have common, okay, all have in common, I should say. Your purpose and the way your life is mapped out is going to be different to mine, but we all have some common ground. As Christians, we all have some common ground. Two things about your purpose, two things that you are going to need to do. First and foremost, you're going to need to love God. You're going to need to love God. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, You must love the God, Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. A relationship with God is essential to every single area of your life. And the closer your relationship is with him, the better your life will be. The more purposeful and fulfilling it will be. The closer your relationship to God is, the better your life will be. Now, I'm not telling you your life's going to be perfect. In fact, I'm telling you this. The closer your relationship to God is, there's going to be a whole lot of rocky roads. There's going to be a whole lot of challenges that come your way. But a bad thing happening in your life does not mean that your life is not good. A bad thing happening does not mean your life. It means that that day is not necessarily good. It means that that day we might change if we could. But it doesn't mean that your life is not good. A relationship with God the closer your relationship is with him, the better your life will be. So the second thing we have in common as Christians that we should all be looking to do, which is a part of your purpose, is this. Love others. Love other people. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. a second, second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever your purpose is, whatever that looks like, part of it is to love other people. Love your neighbor. It's a commandment. It's an instruction. And the closer your relationship is to God, the easier this will be. Love your neighbor. Two things about that statement. Firstly, you don't get to choose who your neighbor is. You don't get to choose who your neighbor is. You're called to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. Everybody. I don't care who they are, where they're from, what the background is, what their beliefs are. They're your neighbor. You're called to love your neighbor. 
It's everybody. And the second thing is this about that statement. Loving is different from liking. You aren't going to like everybody. You're not called to like everybody. You're going to have different opinions to some people. You're going to actually dislike some people. And based on what it is that they do, the choices that they make, and so on and so forth. But you can, believe it or not, love somebody and still dislike them. Or I should say dislike them and still love them. You are able to love everybody. And that's what you are called to do. You can't not love someone just because you don't like them. Okay? You can't not love someone just because you don't like them. If that was the case, there'd be some days I didn't love my boys. Okay? But I love my boys. Day in and day out. But I don't always like them. You aren't called to like them, to love them. You have to love them anyway. You might not agree with somebody, but you've got to love them anyway. They might be doing stuff wrong, but you need to love them anyway. And they may be radically different from you. You have to love them anyway. You are called to love them anyway. So you love everyone, period. It's not easy, but it is part of your calling. It's part of what it is that you were saved to do. Let's go back to that Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. One of those good things is to love other people. So I want you to understand today. What is your purpose? Your purpose is just day by day. Just day by day. Just day by day. To go about your business. It's to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Love God. And it's to love other people. And beyond that, it's whatever it is that God lays on your heart to achieve. Just don't allow other people to put out that flame inside of you. Don't let other people tell you what your calling is and what your calling isn't. Don't be Moses. Don't be Gideon. You know, if God tells you something, don't argue with him. Don't tell him that you're not the man or woman for the job. Because if he's telling you the man or the woman for the job, guess what? You're the man or the woman for the job. You have purpose. Your life has purpose. Would you all bow your heads where you're at right now, if you would? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.